I want to talk to you today about knowing God. There's so many Christians that are living lukewarm lives. And what it really is, is they don't know how to live out of their spirit. And so they'll beat themselves up their whole life because they're like, man, I should be reading my Bible more. I should be coming to church more. Like the Word of God says this. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. It even goes on and says, especially as we come to the end. And guys, we are at the end. We're at the end of the church age. And in my, you know, in my life, I've never seen so many Christians who at one point were a viable part of their church family, and now you hardly ever see them. But there's a reason why. So, you know, it's not that they're bad Christians. To say that there's a bad Christian is to say that Jesus' work wasn't complete. Here's the thing. There is no, there's really no weak Christians. There's really no bad Christians. All it is is there's just Christians that live out of their flesh, so they live carnally, so they live like a mere man. And so I want to talk to you about knowing God. So let's, let's just get into it, and we'll see what the Lord does. I'm so excited about this. I, I want you to look at these scriptures. Go to John chapter 10, verse 10. We'll just start right at the beginning. John 10, 10. You could call this scripture the dividing line of the Bible. If we, if we would understand this, I would love it if this was the first scripture that was ever taught in Bible college, in, especially in seminary, so that we get this right because we seem not to in the body of Christ. It says here, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief, we know who he is. He is Satan, right? And he has a, a satanic hierarchy that he works through because he's not omnipresent. He's not all-knowing. He's surely not all-powerful. So, But what everything he does is designed to do is steal, kill, and destroy. But it says here, I am. I love this. Jesus talking about himself. The first thing he says is, I am. I love how many times he says, I am. He was saying more than it's just me, right? He is the great I am. But he says, I am come that they might have life. And it says, and that they might have it more abundantly. But this word life is the word zoe. It literally means the quality of life that God has. It literally means the eternal quality of life that God has. Jesus came to give mankind God's quality of life. Isn't that amazing? So this is what, this is what we're celebrating right now. We, we actually, you know, I, I mean, Easter is awesome to me, but really it's always Easter, you know, to me. And, but this is what we're celebrating. This is not a religion. Jesus really lived on this earth. He prepared 30 years for a three-year ministry. 
He did everything on this earth as a man, but he did it to show man how he could live the God kind of life. And he took our place. Spiritual death kept me from ever knowing him. And he was made to, become, to be sin for me, to bear all of my sin, all the result of the curse of the law. He took my place. He was made a curse for me so that I could literally be made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, that I could be redeemed from the curse of the law, that I would be, which includes that I'm redeemed now from spiritual death. I'm redeemed from poverty and lack. I've been redeemed from, uh, from sickness and from disease. I've already been redeemed. And then it says it like this in Colossians, that he took me out, he redeemed me and transferred me from the delegated influence of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. So now I'm living in the earth system in the kingdom of God. Like the U.S. ambassador to China lives in China, but he lives in the embassy. Is that right? Even, even our embassies in third world countries that are just suffering, you know that, that the people in that embassy are not suffering. They live according to the provision of the United States. We are the same way. We're ambassadors for him now as his children in this earth. We speak on behalf of him. Now we are literally the body of Jesus in the earth. So, so the enemy came to steal, kill, destroy, but Jesus came that we would have an overflowing, a more than enough amount of Zoe, the God kind of life. Isn't that amazing? So I would say to you, get that right. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not God, it's the enemy. If, if you see a part of your life that looks a lot like what the life that God leads, looks a lot like the way Jesus lived on this earth, then, then that's Zoe. Does that make sense? So we see this, and then we go to John 17, 3, which I quoted just a minute ago, but I want you to see it on the screen or see it in your Bible. John 17, 3, and it says, And this is life eternal. In other words, it's the Greek word zoe. He's saying now, this is zoe. What is zoe? That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? Well, he's in this verse because he's the one that reveals God the Father and reveals Jesus. So this is why we get to know him as he reveals everything to us. See, God the Father has the plan. Jesus carries out the plan and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. So this is how it works. So now I want you to jump back to Ezekiel chapter 36. Knowing God. Ezekiel chapter 36, we're going to look at verse 24. Ezekiel 36, 24. 
This is a, a prophetic scripture, so it has meaning to the children of Israel, but it, you can see that he's talking about more than them. He's also prophesying about a different time that would come that we're living in right now. He says this in verse 24 of Ezekiel 36, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. It's exactly what he did with the children of Israel. It's exactly what he does with us. Going on, verse 25 then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. So now he's literally speaking of the new birth. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Now notice all of this. We're not doing it. He's doing all of it. Right? He says this, verse 26, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. So now, he's really talking about the church, about this time right now. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. The children of Israel, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came out of the grave... Nobody could have the Spirit of God within them. They could just have, if you were a king or a priest, you would have the Spirit of God come upon you once in a while. When you get to heaven, don't be surprised if you have King David coming up to you and saying, hey, can you just tell me, what was it like to live on the earth with the Holy Spirit in you and upon you all the time? I mean, they're going to, I'll guarantee you that. Moses is going to be coming up and you're going to think, oh my gosh, that's Moses. We're going to walk up to Enoch and Enoch is going to be like, you know, man, when I was on the earth, all I wanted to do was just, just commune with God. And it was so cool. He even took me up here. It was awesome. But tell me, what was it like to live your whole life with the spirit of God in you? This is a big thing. See, the mere fact that the Holy Spirit's within you means that you're a world overcomer. It means that you're in Christ where all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen. I can do all things through Christ, right? And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. This word cause means I will appoint and grant you to walk in my statutes. We look at the word cause like he'll make you do this. No, no. He's, he's appointed you to walk in his word and he's granted you the privilege now to walk in his word, but he will never violate your will. You still have to choose life, even as a child of God, right? It says... And, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Isn't that good news? So now go over to Jeremiah because this gives us another 
prophetic scripture of the new birth. Remember, eternal life, the God quality of life is knowing God, knowing Jesus' son, and because of the way the whole thing's set up, you, you have to know the Holy Spirit to ever, to ever walk any of that out. Because you as a child of God, we are to walk in the love of God. Not, not yield to it. No, we're, we're, we're to walk in it. It's, it. Our spirit man is saturated. You know where it says God is love? Well, when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in your new spirit. And he shed the love of God abroad. He literally, you're saturated in the love of God to the point where you can say, I'm love. God is love. I'm love because I'm in God and because God's in me. So let's look at this. Jeremiah chapter 31, and let's start in verse 33. Because what this prophecy does, it'll, it, it kind of, it's like, a, it's like a, a microscope now. We're going a little bit deeper. We're going we're gonna to fill in some more blanks here. See, God wants you to walk in his love. He wants you to walk by his faith. And he wants you to be led by his spirit. Always. How long? Forever. Eternal life. If you have, have invited Jesus in and bowed to his lordship and said, Jesus, you're my Lord. Well, guess what? You're his child now. You were born again or born from above by the incorruptible word of God. You're his child. The Bible calls, uses the word offspring for you. You're his very child. And now you're to walk in the love of God. You're to walk by the faith of God. And you're to be led by the spirit of God relationship, intimacy, not religion. Religion does things because we have to. We don't do anything as a Christian because we have to. Does that make sense? We do it because we're walking with him. You'll find as we narrow this down, the reason why we keep the word of God, the reason why we walk in the love of God. Notice how many times I'm saying this. The reason why we walk by the faith of God, the reason why we're led by the Spirit of God, it's because we've given attention to Him. And He's first place. And now, as I give attention to Him, it turns my life to Him. So now it's all because of what I want to do. Paul said this, you know, all things are lawful for me, but not everything's expedient. And he's like, you know, I'm going to live my life so as to cause nobody else to stumble. And, to, and, and to, to, I'm going to live my life in such a way that, that literally I could help their life. I'll never hinder them. You know, when we were in Greece with uh, Tony and Lisa Cook, and there was a total of about 34 of us as ministers, and Rick and Denise Renner were there, and when we were in Athens, we were on Mars Hill where Paul went and he spoke about the unknown God. Mars Hill is really interesting because Paul got a lot of the terms for the church from, from the Greeks. So 
Mars Hill was a place where these people would be elected. It was a very high honor to be elected into this group. And they would literally, they were called the Ecclesia. You had to be, you had to be elected. So you had to be a very prominent person to get this. So you were elected into the Ecclesia. You know the church is called the Ecclesia. It literally means the called out ones. And they would meet in this Mars Hill area, and they would their, their, their meetings were really interesting. They would come together, and they would sing songs. And then they would actually take an offering, and then one or more people would stand up. Usually there was predominantly one speaker, and he would give a message, which was to bring the other people to a decision. And so they would bring people to a decision, and then that was their meeting. This is how, this is why we do church the way we do. We're the ecclesia. But it was real interesting. It was a great honor. You had to be elected. You know we're called the elect? We're called the called out ones, the, the ecclesia. But what happened is people started taking it for granted. And they let their lives get really busy, and it became very hard. When they'd have meetings, it was very hard to get these ecclesia, these elected ones, to come to the meetings. Isn't that interesting? We have trouble today with that. Thank God for live stream, and, and boy, I'll tell you, live stream's awesome. You know, we have a, what was it, Wednesday? You said we reached 5,000 people here or something like that. You know, and there's people that, that can't get out. There's people that are recovering from something and they're watching and, and that's wonderful. But you know, there's a whole bunch of people that are not planted anywhere. And, and you know, for anybody watching, I would say that, you know, if you can get to a church, man, get there and get planted and, you know, get in a church that preaches the word of God. Amen. You know, that's so important. It's a big part of your foundation as a Christian. But isn't it interesting that the Ecclesia got too busy with their life? Well, guess what? They were busy with no smartphones. Do you know you could literally be at work all day and all night? <laughs> Jeremiah 31, 33. But this shall be the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. Now, in the Old Testament, you have to rightly divide the word, but... In, in interpreting the Bible, and in hermeneutically interpreting the Bible, you have to, when you see the, how, the people of Israel, house of Israel, you want to look at the context because it could be talking about the people of Israel, the seed of Abraham, but it could also, if it's prophetic, it could be talking about the family of God, the church. And this scripture is. This is a prophetic scripture about our time. God was speaking to Jeremiah about how he was looking forward to the time that we're living in now, the church age. And he said this, After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Sounds a lot like Ezekiel, doesn't it? And write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. So verse 33 is speaking of the new birth. 
it's speaking of the change that takes place on the inside of us. As you're sitting here today, you're brand new on the inside. Now, whether or not you realize that or how much you realize or how, how you're walking that out, it's going to be how much attention you give to that. I could tell you this, it's the most important thing in your life. It's, it's the most important thing because you, it's impossible if you don't live out of your spirit, you won't even know the plan of God for your life. So it's to, this is talking about their spirit. Verse 34, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. Well, how can we know him? For I will forgive their iniquities. And that's what Jesus did for us. We can know God. Everything that God has ever done in redemption was for this purpose so that you can know him. Jesus, you could say this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come that you might know me, that you might know my Father, right? And know him oh, super abundantly, so intimately. That's why Jesus came. He put a new spirit in you so that he could put his word in your heart so that the Holy Spirit could be in there to teach you his word. Why? So that you can know him. This is so, so big. For I will remember their sin no more. See, so verse 33 is talking about the new birth. Verse 34 is explaining why God did this. God changed us into a completely new person so that he, the, his spirit could come dwell in us so that now we can know the word of God and have revelation knowledge so that now that revelation knowledge of God's word can come out of our spirit, renovate our mind and our thinking, our soulish realm, so that now we can know him. This is, this is the whole reason. The purpose of your life, if you really want to walk out God's plan, it's this, I want to know him. Get excited about that because it's his love that you walk in. It's his faith that you walk in and we're led and everything is revealed to you by his spirit. It's a natural thing. This is a big thing that the Lord told me one, one time. It's a natural thing to know God once you put his word in your heart. See, who you are now, you can make a decision to put his word in your heart. The Holy Spirit's down there to teach you. He'll bring revelation if you will put the word of God in your heart. How do you do that? You meditate in it day and night. Step number one is you make a decision to put him first. That He doesn't take second place. It doesn't work that way because, see, you know why he doesn't take second place? It's not because he's ego, he, this ego guy, I've got to be one. See, if he's second, here's the problem. You're first. Yeah. 
and you can't see anything when you're first. So he wants, he has to be first. Does that make sense? So that you can know him. So Satan will try everything. You start getting serious about God, and all of a sudden, man, things will probably start breaking in your life. You're going to need more money. Oh, i got to go get a second job. So I'm not, you know, I, I know. Now, is a second job bad? No, as long as the Holy Spirit is leading you, right? Could you ever have a job where, you know, the Lord can lead you to a job, but, man, i got to work on Sundays? Listen, if the Lord leads you to a job, where you have to work on Sundays, you better be real careful. But if it's God leading you, you won't be working on Sunday very often or very long. He'll, he'll work that out so that you could be a viable part of your church family. God wants to bring finances in your life so that you're not spending time, as much time making finances so, so that you can serve him. That's what he wants. So there's all these ditches. He'll get you too busy to read your Bible to where you're coming, you've been working forever, and now you come home, you lay down to read your Bible, and you know, if you look at your Bible, there's drool all over it because you fall asleep every time. <laughs> I, I know we laugh. I remember Ramah students. You, I mean, you pack up your family and you move to this God-forsaken place called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, where it has twice the humidity of us, and it gets over 100 degrees in the summer. And then in the winter, when it's 40 degrees, it's so damp, it feels, it's bone chilling. And people would come there, and they'd get graveyard jobs to try to make it, and they would sit in class like this. And you just feel sorry for them. But that's not God. God wants you he wants you growing in your knowledge of him. So realize there will be all kinds of roadblocks, and here's the thing, none of us could look at what somebody else is doing and know whether or not it's God, because God's not going to talk to you about what somebody else needs to be doing. Does that make sense? So, so God wants you to know him. The Holy Spirit will position you where you can put him first. He's the greatest time manager in, in the universe doesn't matter how busy you are. It's a natural thing to know God once you put his word on the inside of you. As you put his word on the inside of you, it will turn your life to him so that you can know him. God wants you to have, boy, this makes me weep. God wants you to literally have Daily times with him. Continual experiences in him and with him in your life. And, that's, and through all of that, that's how you get to know him. He wants, he wants to reveal more to you. He wants to show, because see, as you get to know him, guess who you else also get to know? You. Yeah. It's where everything starts. The reason God wants to make us new, the reason for being born again is so that we can know him. That is the Zoe life of God. But here's the thing with many believers. They know him in salvation, in, in only a part of salvation, and that is going to heaven once they die. But they never come to the knowledge of the truth. 
They don't go any further. They never know God as their healer, as their provider, as their deliverer, as their peace, as their comfort, as their strength. See, God wants us to know him so he's our everything. 1 Timothy, you don't have to turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 3 and verse 4 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So continual experiences, daily times in walking with him. There's nothing like it. I, I can't even put into words. And, and it's, it's just wonderful. As I walk through my day, as I go even at night, he's talking to me. I'm fellowshipping. I'm having experiences in him. I'm having time with him. When I'm, when I'm hitting on all cylinders or every time, you know, you get in your flesh and you, you, you get self-centered, and you immediately jump back. Why? Because he's not there. And all of a sudden you feel like, oh, wow. You know, I'm not experiencing him, even though, well, he, he is there. He, his presence is still in my life, but I'm not able to experience it because I'm, I'm off in my flesh and it causes you to jump right back. And then you see another dimension of his love because you know what? He just loves you. He doesn't get mad at you, right? He's always, it doesn't matter if you fall and get up and fall and get up. He'll just keep, if you turn to him, he turns to you. But boy, as you get to know him, what happens is all of a sudden, you're not tripping up as much. Pretty soon you're going, oh my gosh, I went three months and I didn't mess up with him what I say. And then you realize, oh my gosh, that's all you, that's not me. And then you're thinking, man, that's just amazing that I'm walking with the God of all creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You have to, this, is, this is such a misunderstood verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. He is a new creature. That Greek word means new species, one who's never existed before, an original form. The Holy Spirit cannot come into an individual unless they've been made brand new. God did not renovate you. He made you brand new so that you now can renovate your mind with his word. But you're working with the Holy Spirit because you do everything with God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Here's the thing that people don't understand. Old things. What old things? That sin nature, that old man that I was is passed away. It's gone. Well, pastor, we understand that. Do you ever beat yourself up? Because if you do, you don't understand it. Yeah, but you don't understand. I messed up this morning. Okay, so what does the Bible say about that? First of all, your spirit is being renewed day by day. Actually, in the Greek, it's more than day by day. It's moment by moment. 
And Paul even said two times in the book of Romans, when I sin, it was, it's not me, it's the sin nature of my flesh, basically that I'm allowing to operate. I don't have to, but I'm dead to sin. So see, we got to get this right. Old things have passed away. Not just the mistakes, not just the shame. All that's gone, but the nature, the sin nature's gone. You're not an old wretch. Amazing grace. You know, God saved a wretch like me. No, I love that song, but we got to change that word wretch because I am not an old wretch. I was, but that old wretch has passed away. And now I'm a new man in Christ. Old things have passed away. And then God says this, behold, all things, all things where? On the inside are brand new. And guess what? They'll stay brand new forever. So that's why the word is fresh. Everything as a Christian is totally fresh because of this. So now I want to I give you a picture in the Paul's life because Paul really understood this. He struggled with carnality, but he found the answer. But you got to look at Paul's heart and his life and his focus if you want to understand how to walk free. So go to Philippians. Actually, if you have an Amplified Bible, it's Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 in the Amplified Version. Because the Amplified Version, you know, the, this version, it has parentheses in it, and it has what they call parenthetical definitions. So it'll have something, a parenthetical definition. It, it, it's an expanded definition of what the Greek is saying. So... Paul says this, he says, for my determined purpose is that I may fulfill the plan of God for my life? Nope. That I might, that I might write three quarters of the New Testament? No, wasn't his determined purpose. If you were to talk to Paul, he would say, my, the purpose of my life is this that I may know him. Why? Well, that's what Jesus came to give us. Zoe life. What is that? Knowing God. What's encompassed in that? All the healing, all the provision, all the strength, everything you could possibly need. You need a big miracle? It might be big to you. It's not big to God. He's already done it. It's already yours. It's simply a matter of you just laying hold of it. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. What does it mean to know him? This Greek phrase. Here's the parenthetical definition of this phrase. This is how you get to know God. That I may progressively. It doesn't happen overnight. God progressively develops you. It's awesome. Enjoy the journey that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. What happens when you become more deeply and intimately acquainted with God? It tells you right here. You start perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Do not 
by the lie that is in the world that your focus needs to be on your career or natural things because you will operate in those natural things at a very low level because you're a child of God. All those, you operate at a high level naturally as you make this your focus, as you're starting to perceive and recognize and understand the wonders of who Jesus really is. See, with God, he wants you to know him. I mean, how much of him? He doesn't set that he doesn't set that measure. Well, Pastor Tony's a pastor, so he should be able to know him more. No. No, no. Who sets the measure on how you know God is you. And I got to tell you, I know a little about him. But it's phenomenal. And I got to tell you, a month from now, I'm going to know a lot more about him. And, and, and a million years from now, I'm going to know a lot more about him. Where it just, knowing him consumes my life. And because of that, it empowers me to walk as he walked on this earth. That's the biggest lie. You got to focus on you, your life, your family, you know, all this stuff. Well, we can't do this because of this and Listen, if you're in a situation where, man, I'm working all the time, I just can't do what I really want to do, that's okay. Take that care, give it over to the Lord, and let him work your schedule out. And pretty soon, you'll be freed up so that you can walk out God's plan for your life. He'll get you there. Don't you try to get there. And surely, don't you judge anybody else for where they are. Amen. Right? Man, I think of some of the messes that God has got me out of. Wow. It says here, and that I may in that same way, in the same way, progressively, deeply, and intimately come to know the power that is outflowing from his resurrection. See, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about resurrection. And we think of that as an event, a one-time event. And it was a one-time event. But there is still power outflowing from that event. You know, we saw this movie, Aquaman. And it almost made me weep at one point. Because here's this little guy. And he's, he's with his classmates, and they're in this, this marine sanctuary thing, and this glass, and there's all these sharks and animals and everything, you know. And, and all of a sudden, these two bullies start bullying him. And this massive great white shark starts hitting the glass to get to these kids to protect him. Why? Because he's Aquaman. Whatever, right? <laughs> so he turns around. This little boy turns around and puts his hand up, and it was like power was coming out of him that went over the shark and calmed the shark down. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, that's how I live. That literally, 
Power flows from the resurrection of Jesus that was 2,000 years ago, and it never loses power, and it's just over my life all the time. And I, I become more deeply and intimately and progressively aware of this power. And I pray that Ephesians prayer, that, Father, that you would grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you so that the eyes of my spirit would be enlightened and I would know your plan for my life and that I would also know the incredible inheritance that I have in you. And the third thing is this, that I might know the incredible power that is pointed towards me as I believe your word. So much so that his power, where does it come from? It comes right out of my spirit. Romans 8.11 says that the mighty Holy Spirit of God, that that power that's flowing out of me is quickening. It's restoring my body to health. It's healing me. It's, it's providing everything. When I say in the name of Jesus, I command this to happen, and it's in line with the word, the very power of God is there for me. Satan doesn't care if we talk about how powerful God is, but he doesn't want you to talk about how powerful he is in a believer's life who will believe. There's great power there. When you say in the name of Jesus, I bind you, you need to know it's not you. It's the power of Almighty God that's doing it. Isn't that cool? So it says here, then in the same way I might come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, that, and that I may so share his sufferings. I, I know him so, I know his power, I know him, but I also want to know his sufferings. Now, it's not talking about the sickness and disease that he bore. It's not talking about the sin and the shame and the poverty and lack. No, 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 he bore all that, but he's talking about his sufferings. They hated him, so they're still going to hate me. And, and people are, I'm still going to get those looks. Oh, you're one of them. It's funny, when people find out I'm a pastor, they either are like, oh, or they're like, oh. <laughs> and that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. This is how we know him. If you go on in Paul's letter to Galatians, in Galatians 2.20, Paul says it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ, the anointed one and his anointing lives in me. See, I was crucified with him. I understand that when he was on the cross, positionally, I was on the cross. When he was buried, positionally, I was buried, even though I hadn't been born yet. And when he was raised to newness of life, positionally, I was too. And when he was seated at the right hand of his father, far above all principalities and powers, so was I. 
And so now, as a New Testament believer, I could say this, so am I. Everything in my life is new. Rejoice in that. You know, people, people get up to here with their life and then they just get so excited about, okay, I, you know, I just, I, I just got to go to another church. And they go to the church and man, the pastor is Jesus himself. But then by six months later, when the Holy Spirit's dealing with the same area, I, I mean, me personally, I went from Jesus Christ to the Antichrist in six months. How, how do you do that? Or some people will go, you know, this is so messed up. I, the answer is I just need to move away. Go to a new place. It'll just be wonderful. But guess what? It, it could be if the Lord's leading you there. But if you're just running away from stuff, guess what? The problem with that is everywhere you go, you are. That's a deep statement. The Lord told me that one time. He's like, Tony, the problem is everywhere you go. Yeah, you go sit at a beach with a Bible and you could feel cool because the waves are hitting as you're reading the word, but you know, you're still there. And you still think you're worthless. Right? God wants to get all that out of your mind. It's not in your spirit. And it all comes as a result of knowing him. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, it's all, it's all saturated in God came looking for you. Isn't that good news? I said this to the men yesterday. I had to write it down afterwards so I wouldn't forget, but I thought it was so cool. Many, I don't know if the guys thought it was cool, but whatever. You know, Randy was doing such a great job teaching. I was trying to shut up. You know, I don't do a good job with that sometimes. But anyway, I said this. Many are trying to be right in the sight of God by what they do. But what, what works is when you're right and you realize that you're right in the sight of God because of what Jesus did. It's not about you. It's about what he did. It's all about him. Everything that I am, everything I will ever do, everything is him. Knowing God Here's the thing. Knowing God produces a righteousness consciousness in your mind. If you don't, if you're not growing and knowing him, walking with him, that sin consciousness that comes out of the sin nature in your flesh and it comes out of an unrenewed mind, you'll have a sin consciousness and you'll look at everything through the fact of sin. See, Right now, you know, we're really focusing on the, on the cross, and that's wonderful because that never stops in my life. But we, we got to be careful because a righteousness consciousness will start getting you focused not only on the cross, but you're focused on the throne too. Because, because we don't need to just focus on the cross we gotta, we got to realize that the cross is focused on the throne. Right? Jesus, he really wasn't coming to the earth to the cross. 
His goal was to go on the cross, into the grave, out of the grave, on the throne, where he ever lives to make intercession for you and I. The mere fact that the word says that he's seated on the throne, literally, he's not praying for you. To pray for you, he, wouldn't, he couldn't have said it is finished. Wouldn't have used the term intercession, but intercession, not the action of intercession, the position of it. The fact that he's seated at the right hand of God after his resurrection forever speaks and tells everyone that I am forever connected to God. Can't ever be changed. I'm one with him. Isn't that good news? Satan hates that. 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. I love what Paul is telling this younger pastor. Paul said this, For I know whom I have believed. He didn't say, Timothy, I know what I believe. Get that in your vocabulary. I know who. I know whom I believe in. He is my healer. Right? If you don't know whom you believe in, if you don't know him personally, you really don't know what you believe. I don't care that you could quote 10 scriptures on healing. You still don't know him as your healer. But when you know him, now these scriptures become alive to you. For I know whom I have believed. And then he goes on to say, and as a result of that, I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, because I know in whom I believe, I am fully persuaded that he's going to keep me. That's what God wants you to know. He wants you to know that while you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil because he is with you. Does that make sense? When you know that, it doesn't matter if you're in a furnace. See, so many people that don't know God will sit there and go, okay, I'm just going to confess 50 times. I'm not going in the furnace. I'm not, he's not going to put me in the furnace. I'm just believing God that I'm not going in the furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in faith went into the furnace. See, we miss, we miss God because we don't know who he is. You know when God looks at you, he looks at you as a world overcomer. He'll, you know he'll have you do things to where, to where people might even in the natural hurt you. And God, that's part of God's plan. Why? Because he loves them and he's given them another chance to get it right. And you think, well, well, wait a minute, this is hurting me. No, it's not. Do you know that nothing can hurt you? Because you're his child. Don't, don't worry about all this. People, who cares? They could slap you on one cheek and there will be grace to turn the other one. Your boss can't stop you. That company can't stop you. If God has got to give you an idea and put a brand new company together, he can do all that. So you can just 
Focus on knowing him, loving him, and walking in love with others. This is so important. I know whom I've believed, and as a result of that, I'm fully persuaded he's going to keep that which I've committed unto him unto that day. Wow. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 12 through verse 14, it really makes a pretty cool, Just it, it kind of lays some things out. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. See, God places his spirit on the inside of you so that you can know the things freely given to you and so that you can know who you are in him. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Your unrenewed mind and your flesh, the senses, this is what this is talking about. You cannot know God outwardly. You have to know him inwardly in your spirit. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Spiritual things are many times hard to describe from a natural standpoint. People are trying to understand God through their natural mind. They can't figure out that to increase I've got to give. Well, what do you mean? And, and gosh, if I'm in lack... What do I need to do? Well, you need to give more. But that makes no sense to the natural mind. Right? To, to, if I'm hurt, I, I, need to, I need to protect myself. And God's always leading you just out to love. Notice he said when, when somebody slaps you on the cheek, he didn't say, run away. He said, turn the other one. Because you've already are a world overcomer. The natural man cannot receive spiritual things. See, most are trying to understand God with their mind. And they're trying to perceive God through their flesh, their senses, or I could say it this way, through their emotions. And they think, if I emotionally feel good, it's wonderful. But that doesn't really last long because what happens is people will come to church and they come into the presence of God and worship and they just feel good. Or they get around somebody and they're talking about the word and they feel good. It gives them a little bit of a sense of ease. But then when they go back alone because they've not learned how to take thoughts captive and, and, not, and live out of their spirit. They, they're just living out of their flesh. It comes down like a rushing, like an avalanche upon them when they're alone. And after a while, the enemy's sitting on their shoulder going, see, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. Then eventually, they either start moving back in a sanctuary or they, they leave and they're not in church anymore. Right? I mean, it's just, why, why is that? It's because it all gets back to just not knowing the Lord. Most pray that God will do something that will affect their minds or their feelings so that they will know that he's there. Isn't that, see, God wants, he's not superficial. 
He wants to go deeper with you. You cannot contact God with your mind. Spiritual things can only be spiritually known. So let me just, just kind of in closing here, let me take a couple minutes and talk to you. The natural mind, your natural mind will want to control and be in charge. That's just natural. You only have to deal with that while you're on the earth. Okay? So thank you, Pastor Va. I feel better now. <laughs> the natural mind, it wants to determine what is or what is not for your life. Your natural mind will. It fights you. The problem with this is your, now this is going to be, this might slap some people, is that your intellect can't contact God. You contact God with your spirit. If you are going to know God, it'll have to be another way that is not your mind. Now that's hard because if you think about it, look at how much time in a person's life that we spend intellectually. 12 years to get a high school degree, four years to get a bachelor's degree, some go three or four years to get anywhere from a master's to a doctorate. And, and, and that determines a level in society that makes people think, wow. But, but we're not talking that. You can't know God intellectually. I don't care if you have a PhD in biblical knowledge or the word of God or ministry. I know people that have PhDs in ministry that know nothing about ministry. Because you really don't know until you're actually walking it out. But spiritually, you gotta, to know God, you got to know him spiritually. So to know God, you're going to have to know him from the inside. When you get a revelation on the inside that God is for you, even when you think you don't deserve it, you're going in the right direction. Here's the principle that I want to leave you with today. Boy, there's so much more I want to say. Maybe we'll say it next week. We'll see. Knowing more, here's, boy, I'd write this down. Knowing more about him on the inside of you, that is what causes your life to turn to him. You follow, whatever you give your attention to is what you follow. Does that make sense? Whatever you see and you keep looking at, eventually it will become your source. Another way to say this is you will hunger for what you feed on with God. But knowing about him, getting to know him on the inside will cause your life to turn to him. And I got to tell you guys, the freedom, the strength, just the intimacy that you know that he's with you and that he's greater than anything you'll ever face. And, that, and you know the end result of everything in your life. And you are no longer moved by what you see or feel or hear about. It doesn't move you anymore. I'm, I'm not moved by the outside. I'm moved by the inside. But it's not, see, it's not because, well, I'm just a man of the word and I just know the world, whatever. No, I know him. 
I know him. When I stand before Jesus, I'm going to be like, this is amazing, but I've seen that face here. What's going to be great about heaven is I'm not going to have to deal with the flesh. But I'm going to walk around heaven going, yeah, finally. I, this is so, so this is what it feels like to be home. I, I'm, I'm, that's the way it's going to be for us. Because we're so one with him. Your, your love walk, your faith walk, your marriage, your parenting, everything is knowing him. Amen?